Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. You're listening to episode 114 of the Marathon Running Podcast. In this episode, we're going to talk about how to coach yourself or others. This is the Marathon Running Podcast by Letty and Ryan from We Got The Runs. Join us in our running community for weekly content that is motivational, educational, and inspirational and let the marathon running podcast take you from the starting line to the finish line and beyond hey runners welcome to episode 114 and welcome co-host ryan i want to say co-star every single time you could you can just do co-star that's fine how are you co-star i'm good co-star how are you you're good as always huh <laughs> i think co-star is better just like not because I just like flows better. Like co-host is like harder to say. Co-star is easier to say. I 100% agree, just especially being it. a foreigner. <laughs> just go with it. I have to clarify, you're the star. I'm the co-star because you do most of the work at this podcast. And in regular life. Well, that might be debatable, but... <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we are Ryan and Letty. We have a weekly running podcast where we talk about all things running, including coaching, nutrition, mental strategies, and we also try to share as many inspirational stories with you guys as possible and some race recaps. So today, what are you going to talk about? I guess today we are going to talk about something very, very important, which is coaching. Coach Letty? Well, I'm not a coach, but... After this podcast, you could be. Well, I actually, technically, I'm a coach because I went through the coaching certification, but I just did the certification because I wanted to get the information. <laughs> <laughs> I enjoy learning new things. And, you know, I guess for me, that was type of uh, somewhat of a way to gain a little bit of self-improvement and awareness of what goes on in my body. But I do not want to coach ever. I feel like that would be too difficult Dealing with people that don't listen to my advice. I deal with that every day between you and the kids. <laughs> I'm screaming and nobody does what I tell them to do. <laughs> Maybe if you did less screaming, you'd get more response. I don't know. But what do you think, Ryan? I guess it is true. A good coach should not be screaming. So we have one quality of a coach. Um, I guess patience, right? Yeah, that would be a good quality. Yeah. So what other things do you think? a good coach should have before we hop into, uh, you know, how one can coach him or herself? I, I would say knowledge. I mean, it doesn't necessarily mean you have to be like a PhD, but like you at least keep up to date with the newest trends and things that are happening based on research, not stuff that's just based on what someone said somewhere here. I think anyone that, if you find information, always just look it up for yourself and try to find where the sources come from and whether or not you think they're reliable and make your own judgments. That's a good point. What do you think is a good quality? I think for me personally, 
to be able to listen to a coach, that coach has to have experience. And with that, I mean both personal experience and coaching experience. I always make the example of a fitness trainer at a gym. You know how like sometimes you join a gym and then there's these people trying to sell you training packages. To me, if that person doesn't look like they are fit themselves, then they don't have that credibility and I'll likely not follow their advice as much as I would otherwise. And so I guess that goes to personal experience. And then I also would like for to see for them to have had some coaching experience. I want to kind of like reviews, right? I want to talk to people that have coached with that person and see how they have responded to it because there's nothing better than having you know i mean i guess we have yelp for that reason <laughs> um yeah that's a difficult one you know because everyone has to start somewhere so some people you know might be a great coach um but they haven't coached before if they're just starting out i don't necessarily think that you know experience in itself is not necessarily 100 good because if they're a bad coach but they're experienced at being a bad coach that's not good either but i guess it does give you some some history to try to make a decision on, on whether or not they'll be good at their job. Well, yeah. And, and, you know, I a hundred percent agree. And then look at, look at how lucky I was to meet Ron Tab, who is actually going to be our guest today. He's a 209 marathoners from the eighties to have him live close to us, literally two miles away. I was introduced to him and he became my first and only running coach. And to me, the fact that he could run that fast It's not that he just ran a little bit fast. He obviously dedicated a lot of time in becoming the best he could be. And that experience alone for me was kind of something where I would definitely hop on board with because I know that he at least has a better idea of what he's doing, you know, compared to the run coach online that runs slower than I do already to begin with. Yeah, I mean, that's a definite credibility thing i mean obviously if someone has ran that fast they at least know how to do it because they did it themselves so that's a pretty a pretty good um credibility check mark yeah and then another thing that i think you are not as aware of because you've never tried to find a running coach and you're not as uh, immersed into this whole culture as i am is that there's a lot of running coaches that don't have much flexibility meaning that they all just write you a training program that is for a full month and then you have to pay extra to check in with them and you have to pay extra to communicate with them and uh, I, I know it's obviously a business and they have to make money on it but I feel like not having the flexibility of me calling them saying hey my child is sick I'm staying home all day with the kid and I cannot do this workout that you gave me and then just trying to figure out by myself what I'm going to swap it with. I feel like that's uh, not a good thing to have. So I feel like coaches do have to be flexible. Yeah, I think if, you know, you have the ability to do stuff in an app or something and they can um, change as needed, that definitely would be much more beneficial and also probably better for retention to better better to keep people interested in doing it because if they like have only a set plan but then they miss something they might feel somewhat defeated and have a tendency to give up 
yeah and really wouldn't know what to do as their next workout yeah. you know and it's very i guess run coaching is very specific they're trying to keep you from getting injured so you know doing a workout and then a long run the next day you never see that on a training program but you're paying a coach to give you a training workout program so if you're skipping your workout and you don't know better than to move it to the day before the workout, then obviously you failed as a coach because you haven't really given them the uh, the flexibility that they needed because they hired a coach because they don't have that understanding of what needs to be done. I agree. What else do you think makes a good coach? Um. Well, some people say coaches need to be motivational. I can see how a lot of people would really enjoy that. Yeah, well, I, think, um, I think especially in... In running, that's true um, because I feel like a lot of people take up running maybe primarily for general fitness or, you know, to lose weight or other kind of more loose or vague goals. And so you need someone to be especially good at motivating you in order to keep you interested in doing so. Whereas like if say someone was a volleyball player and they took up a coach it would probably be more thought out and you know i want to win a championship or i've got a certain like you know want to do well in high school or something like that so they might be more motivated to begin with whereas someone picking up running might say hey let's do running i want to lose weight but then if they have a good coach and they have a good experience someone that keeps them motivated they might get to the fitness point where they are like I really enjoy this. And then they want to do it more long-term. Very true. Yeah. Any other uh, uh, things you would like to see in a coach if you were to hire a running coach? Hmm. Knowledge, experience, motivational, flexible. I think we got most of the good ones. I don't know. Yeah, I agree. I really can't think of anything else. Um, staying in foreign or staying up to date. And just being a cool person, but I guess that's all of the running community, <laughs> including our guests. So, so are you ready to hop into this conversation? I am. I think it's like, it's so cool that, you know, to reiterate the history, you've said it before, but like, you know, you came to Fort Myers with me for my job. You've always liked running. And then randomly, in a sense, there's this like, you know, Olympic level marathoner that's here. He's retired. You become good friends and now he coaches you. And it's like such a cool coincidence, I guess. Yeah. I feel very lucky. I feel like, um, that's the silver lining of moving from Los Angeles to Fort Myers, Florida. <laughs> he's a, yeah, he's a nice guy. He's fun too. He's awesome. Cool. Yeah. yeah. He's almost like family to us. So, all right. So without any further ado, I'm now going to play my conversation with Ron Tab. All right. So I'm on here with Ron Tab. Ron, thank you so much for joining me again. Well, thanks for having me again. Awesome. All right. So we want to talk about the topic of how to coach yourself or others and how to best approach that. So I want to give you a case scenario, well, either with yourself as a coach or just a regular runner. You want to start running and you are trying to figure out what the first thing is that we should do. How would you go about that? 
Well, the first thing, I think even before you get to the physical evaluation, you want to uh, learn from the uh, individual what their goal might be. You know, whether they're trying to qualify for the Olympic trials, whether they're just trying to lose weight, uh, whether they're trying to improve their 5K time or their marathon time. So that's, that's the first and most important thing to establish. So once we've established that, then we want to learn what their background is, uh, beginning with what their age is. Uh, because that'll make a decision, you know, determine uh, what they would be capable of doing or not uh, capable of doing. Uh, And then after we uh, have established that, then uh, we uh, set in motion, um, you know, what their physical um, uh, strengths might be or weaknesses might be, uh, what their weight uh, would, you know, where where they are with their weight, and um, so that's probably the first, you know, the first three things that you uh, look at. Okay. So just to go into it, maybe a little bit deeper, what is the difference between runners and ages? Because obviously the older we get, the more invulnerable we tend to feel, but what are some things that let you know that with a person that's maybe a little bit older than the 20 year old, what are some things that we, would be doing different uh, when it comes to training. Okay. Well, for your, for example, you are, your training would look a lot different than someone that is in their teens or their twenties. You know, with uh, uh, your situation where you have a couple of kids, uh, you are a full-time mom, you're a full-time, you know, you have a full-time job. uh, You're, uh, time is going to be more restricted and and uh, what your you know what your abilities would be uh, from uh, or you, what kind of the time you would have for uh, for training you know if you're uh, just out of college uh, and you are in a new job or you're just training to try and qualify for the trials and you're just doing uh, odd jobs to be able to train. Uh, to try and qualify, that's going to be, that's going to be a huge difference. So, you know, you're uh, probably, uh, you know, we've had your mileage at one time up to uh, nearly 80 miles a week, um, which is phenomenal based on uh, your lifestyle with, you know, with uh, being a uh, a full-time mom and uh, working 40 plus hours a week. So that that's pretty incredible. But most folks are not going to be able to do that. Uh, uh, you know, if you're training for, you know, if you're a 40 year old training for a for a marathon, it's nice to be able to see the the mileage in the 60 to 80 miles a week. But again, it's going to depend on what type of job you have. Now, someone <clears throat> in their 20s uh, with a track and cross country background, um, you know, they can do. You know, they're going to be looking at, uh, you know, mileage closer to 100 miles a week uh, with more speed sessions involved, more interval sessions, more fartlek sessions um, than what someone, you know, that's uh, only capable of doing 40 or 50 miles a week. If you're if you weigh, you know, if you're a female and you weigh 110 pounds or 100, uh, you know, 20 pounds, uh, that person uh it is probably going to be able to run more miles than 
you know, say a, a lady that is 150 or 160 pounds, you know, so weight's going to play in weight, age, um, you know, those are two factors in determining what type types of workouts a coach is going to give an athlete. Okay. And then the big question, what about gender? Because obviously there's a reason why the Olympic trial times or Boston qualifying times have a gap of, I think, 20 to 30 minutes that they give them for being a different gender. Okay. So um, the training isn't going to be a lot different from a male to female. Um, you know, if I have two 30 year olds and they're both, uh, you know, trying to get a Boston qualifier, you know, their training isn't going to look a lot different. Um, it's just that the times will probably be a little faster on the male side. Uh, but that's not always the case either, you know, because you have some, you know, some females are capable of doing, uh, even more than what uh, the males are doing you know as you know we have uh, one lady that i'm working with that's uh, nearly 60 years old and she uh, is doing 70 80 miles a week and she's running you know 17 18 minute 5ks so and that's an exception to the rule because you typically don't see that uh with uh you know runners that old but If you're a 30 or 40 year old and you're trying to get your Boston qualifier, your mileage is probably going to be, you know, something in the 70 to 80 mile range. And, uh, you know, maybe if you're 30, uh, will be, uh, and again, depending on what your skill set is, you may be looking at 90 miles or even more. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So then once we have figured out the physical aspect of that person, what about the previous athletic experiences of that individual, what do you look for when you'd ask them about what they have done in the past with their lives? Well, the first thing, you know, I, uh, when I'm approached uh, by uh, someone that's trying to, again, we'll use Boston as an example, but if they're trying to qualify for Boston, you know, I, I first want to know what their, uh, uh, what their background looks like. You know, how many years have they been running? Um, you know, what their PRs are from the 5k to, uh, up to the marathon, um, you know, what their goal is, you know? So, uh, if I have a guy who's run, you know, sub 220, uh, who is, you know, 25 years old, and I have a, a, a guy who is 45 and he's trying to break three hours for the first time, you know, that training is going to look significantly different and their, uh, the workouts are going to look different as well. The, uh, uh, but again, I still need the same information. You know, if you're 25 years old or 45 years old, I still need to know what your background is, what your PRs are. Um, you know, have you taken any breaks? What's your work schedule look like? Because work is going to play, you know, a role in, uh, your time management and time management is really important in, in uh, your ability to do, to realize your full potential. It takes a little bit of time to evaluate uh, where, <clears throat> pardon me, where uh, someone is. So let's go back to uh, when um, we started working together. You know, your goal was to uh, uh, improve your marathon time. 
and to run a marathon in Los Angeles uh, three three months afterwards. So the first thing I ask, you know, well, what's what is your background? What is your marathon PR? You know, give me some of the PRs that you have. Uh, what is your you know, how much time are you going to be able to devote? You'd also just had a child. So that played into, you know, factored into what we were going to be able to do uh, from a training standpoint. So uh, after a few weeks, uh, you know, we were, I was able to determine what you, um, what I thought that you were capable of. And there's, there's no, um, uh, for sure, um, uh, program that's going to work for any person. It takes a little bit of time to feel that person out and get uh, a, a good feel for what they can and can't do. So you basically evaluate and come up with a non-aggressive plan and then just kind of see how they respond to it rather than what I was thinking. Maybe you just have them do some sort of fitness test. No, there's no fitness test uh, that, uh, you know, I don't, uh, I've never given anyone a fitness test. Uh, I just, uh, because uh, as you know, that, you know, I have people all over the country that I've worked with and it's, uh, you know, so there's no way that I can give them a fitness test. And I mean, it'd be ideal to see, uh, see that individual run just uh, so I could make it, uh, you know, if I see something that looks uh, like um, they're not running efficiently uh, and work on their, uh, their running style, but uh you know, there's no fitness test that, uh, that you know, that I give any uh, one individual. Now, there may be coaches that say, OK, I, I want to I want you to go out and do a uh, one mile time trial or a two mile time trial, which that, again, I don't know that that's going to give you the information that you that you're really going to adequately need in order to give them the right uh, program. Um, and um, a good coach will look you know, on a weekly basis and evaluate what that individual has done through the, you know, throughout the week and then make a determination on based on the information he has or she has in front of them to do the next uh, week's schedule. Now, someone that if you've worked with an athlete for, uh, you know, uh, two or three months, then you have a, you should have a pretty clear idea of what they what their strengths are, what their potential is. Um, and then it makes writing the workouts much easier. It, it's more difficult to do a workout with a new, uh, a newbie, you know, a new athlete than it is with someone that you've worked with for a while. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. That was my, my big question. And I guess it makes sense because it doesn't really matter how bad out of shape or good in shape they are at the time when you have a goal, um, which brings me to my next question, uh, realistic goal setting. So for a person who has never done a marathon or who hasn't done a marathon in a really long time, how soon does it take or how long does it take to a get ready to finish a marathon, meaning, you know, being able to complete that amount of mileage or B to actually train well enough to do a PR? Oh, that's a, that's a difficult question to answer. So I just, I just had an athlete that, that hadn't run a marathon in more than 20 years. And uh, this uh, person's PR um, uh, prior to that was uh, 316 or 317. It was, you know, it was pretty, pretty quick marathon. And then 
they decided that they're going to run a, a you know they were going to run a marathon uh, and they had only done 15 to 20 miles a week uh, for the last they hadn't raced in more than 20 years and uh, you know they got a wild hair up their butt and decided they were going to run a marathon so you know the then it was a very uh, gradual process uh, uh, that person had four months to prepare and start building their mileage up so they went from 15 to 20 a week to where uh, they were doing over 40 a week uh, she you know this person didn't come nearly close to their PR but again there's 20 years difference between when uh, this person ran the PR so you know and with the the short number of or the the small amount of time that we had uh that we were working together it was really uh there's no chance that this person was going to be able to do interval training or fartlek training because it was for uh, that four month stretch there that they needed to work on their base and building the mileage up so they could get through 26 miles and that was the that was the goal was just to finish the race you know not looking for a PR. Now, someone that is uh, in that age group, because uh, this person is almost 60, uh, the, uh, uh, you know, if that, if, and it's probably not realistic that you're, you know, that someone that age is going to, to run that fast again after such a long uh, break from running or from racing. Uh, but you would want, it, it would take probably, a good six months to a year to build the mileage up properly in order to get back down to, you know, a low, you know, sub three uh, 30 a marathon where they can begin doing interval training and fartlek training. But the base and the foundation uh, for a runner is the first and foremost important thing in order to realize it once potential. Right. Because obviously, I mean, obviously I'm throwing a question with a lot of variables at you. I just meant, you know, in case this is going to be about a runner who can train in a vacuum, who can completely follow your advice. Most, most of the people that we're talking about in their twenties uh, beyond, you know, they have a, you know, they, you know, they have jobs, they have families, uh, they have careers. And, Uh, so they have to do their training based on, you know, working around the, those schedules. Um, and, you know, but the people that you're seeing at the Olympic trials, at the world championships, at the Olympics, those people, though, their, their job is to train and to run. And they're doing 120, 130, 140 miles a week if you're, if you're a marathon runner. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> That's a difficult question to ask. So let me move on to the next one. How would a training program look different for somebody in their 20s, 20s versus for somebody in their you know, 40s? If you're in your 20s, your ability to recover is, is much faster. So um, we would do uh, what I normally do with my, uh, you know, that type of an athlete is we're looking at uh, Sunday is our long day. Uh, you know, we want to get in a uh, two, between the two runs that we're going to do on Sunday. We'll do a long run of, you know, 15 to 18 miles. And then we do 
<clears throat> pardon me, we do a, a, a shorter run in the evening of five to seven miles. Okay. Then Monday, use that as a recovery day of, you know, eight, eight to 10 miles. Now this is, again, this is for a 20 year old. Now the difference between the 20 year old and the 45 year old is, you know, that, that 45 year old probably isn't going to do 22 miles or 24 miles on Sunday. Uh, that individual is probably going to see something, you know, uh, a 15 mile run with a, you know, uh, a five mile shakeout run later in the day if they're training for well again we'll use boston um, and then on monday and tuesday those are going to be recovery runs and the reason i have the, my coaching philosophy is a little bit different than other coaches or some other coaches because they'll have you know other coaches might have their runner go out and do a 22 or 23 or 24 mile run on sunday well, the problem with that that I have is it takes for because at 18 miles, 17 to 18 miles, you begin burning muscle and it takes several days to recover from that. Uh, so I don't like doing that. I like to keep that run short. So you're not burning muscle, you're burning fat uh, and you're uh, <laughs> you're burning, you're using your carbs. OK, so. And but you're still getting your long run in on the on the weekends. You're still getting a 20 plus mile day. But a 45 year old person, it's going to take them longer to recover. And they if they're doing a 24, uh, you know, 22, 23, 24 mile run, it may be Thursday or Friday before they are fully recovered from doing that uh, effort. OK, so uh, but my 20 year old, they're going to be able to come back on Tuesday and we're going to do some type of a speed session, you know, and we're probably doing double days as opposed to a 45-year-old where that 45 is probably only doing one run on, uh, on Tuesday. Okay, so, and then uh, Wednesday, uh, we're back to a recovery, uh, a recovery day. Uh, the 20-year-old, we may go eight in the morning, eight in the afternoon. The 45-year-old, we We'll probably only do an eight-mile run uh, in the uh, afternoon or morning, whenever they, what, whatever their schedule might look like. Then um, on Tuesday, or I'm sorry, on Thursday, then the 20-year-old were back at doing uh, a uh, an easy or an easier interval session in the morning. So we're going to go a little bit shorter um, intervals, and then a, a shakeout run in the afternoon of. Uh, eight to 10 miles. The 45-year-old, we're going to be doing something uh, probably along the lines of uh, just doing a uh, some type of a run, uh, eight to 10-mile run. Okay, so now the 45-year-old is going to come back on Friday and do their interval session, you know, because I want them to have two days of recovery where the, you know, the 20-year-old uh, will probably be able to get by with just a uh, one-day recovery. But again, it's all it's all about the individual. You know, everyone is a little bit different. Uh, no two athletes are the alike, and it's really difficult to give. Uh, you know, I I typically don't even when you know as a college coach, I didn't uh, give all my athletes the same workouts because they didn't all have the same skill set. Yeah, no, that makes sense, and thank you for going into detail with that. So. You know, even we had Meb on a couple of weeks ago, and even he said that when he got older and he was in his 40s, he 
had a different type of training program where he extended his weeks from seven days to nine days just to give him that time that we need in that age group to recover. Yeah. Well, I use uh, uh, Mab and I are quite a bit. Well, since we've been together, you know, as friends and coach, uh, you know, that coach athlete relationship that we had for years, um, you know, that was one of the things I used a 10 day cycle uh, at one time. And I still use that on occasion with de- depending on the individual. So, yeah, I feel like you've kind of been using that with me a little bit <laughs> for the instead of two speed sessions, you know, just kind of made it one just because it seems to be taking me a little bit longer to recover these days. Yeah. And, you know, um, you know, as you get as you we age, uh, the recovery time takes longer, you know, so uh, that's why it's really you know, it's really difficult to just look at, uh, at coaching as a whole, just saying, okay, this is what we're going to do. Uh, I, you know, I look at some of these, uh, you know, I'll just use uh, a group here in town, a local group here, and they train together, but, uh, and they're all doing the same workouts, but they don't have the same skill sets and they're not all training for the same thing, but they're yet, they're still doing the same workouts, which to me doesn't make much sense. You know, uh, you know, if I, if I have one person, uh, you know, training for, uh, you know, for say the New York city marathon and then someone else training for the Indianapolis marathon, you know, there's a few weeks uh, difference in their training. So they can't be, you know, they shouldn't be doing that. They're probably, they probably should not be doing the same workouts, but, you know, again, um, you know, it's, it's on an individual basis. Yeah, absolutely. So my last question for you is, do you have some tips for runners that want to coach themselves or new coaches so that way they can be better and do better for our running community? Well, I, you know, and I was a 2.0, I was a 2.11 marathoner coaching myself. Uh, But at times coaching yourself, you're, you are your own worst enemy because when you have a goal in mind and when you are determined uh, and uh, you sometimes need to back off your training. And in my case, I was not one of those runners that liked to take, have downtime. I didn't like to miss a day. And uh, when I, when I switched and I self-coached myself from 1970, I'm showing my age, but uh, after college, I coached myself for the next six years uh, and I was successful. I was, I was, you know, I, I knew enough about running uh, because I'd done it for so long and been, you know, decent at it. Uh, but in uh, 83, I decided that, you know, I needed to change because I had kind of flatlined and I wasn't making any progress. So I reached out to a coach who happened to be Steve Prefontaine's coach. And, uh, uh, and once I did that and he incorporated in just a matter of two months, he incorporated because he knew what my base was. So he knew I had a a solid base. So that that's important. Again, I I always uh, talk about having a solid foundation, a solid base and, my coach knew that I had a, an outstanding base and that I could begin doing the interval training because I only had a few weeks before the Boston Marathon. So that first race, which was approximately eight weeks to 10 weeks before the Boston Marathon is when I reached out to him. 
And I went from being a 211 marathon runner to a 209 marathon runner. So, and that's because a coach recognizing that, okay, this individual has a strong base, a strong foundation. So all I need to do is incorporate what I know is six, that works for athletes at his level. And that's incorporating uh, speed sessions into, uh, because I didn't do a lot of interval training. Uh, I did very little interval training. Most of my runs were hard runs and long runs when I was coaching myself. And it was when I incorporated the speed into my training that I saw the big improvement. You know, it takes time to establish, uh, you know, what the, what the strengths are of that individual, what the weaknesses are, because typically you're, you know, you want to, uh, you want to build on their strengths, but you want to work on their weaknesses. Uh, my weakness uh, was I didn't have the necessary speed uh, to run at a level a little bit higher than what I was what I had coached myself to. And when you and I, for example, when we worked, began working together, uh, you know, you were a 350 to four hour marathon runner and you just had, um, you just didn't have a plan. You just went out and ran kind of how you felt in it on the weekends. And there was really no structure to your training. And you listened to what your friends said, Oh, this is what I'm doing today. Oh, okay. I'll do that too. Well, that's, that isn't a plan. That's just going out and running. Uh, it was when that you started having a schedule that is when you began seeing the improvement. And that's why now you're a sub uh, 320 marathoner. Now you know how to train. You know how to approach your training. You know that there's a method to it. And, you know, it, uh, you, uh, you know, and you'll continue to improve uh, because 40 – I used to think that 30 was the, uh, was the breaking point for peaking. Uh, and again, this was back in the early 80s. But really today, uh, with uh, the shoe technology, uh, the knowledge we have with nutrition, uh, the, the science behind running now, uh, the new, the new um, 30 is 40 because um, you're seeing athletes now reaching their uh, full potential in their late 30s, early 40s. I'll just give you an example. The guy who won the 1984 Olympics, he was 37 years old. You know, so Meb was still running sub 210 in his 40s. You know, it's uh, the, the sport has changed. Uh, it's evolved um, uh, through time. And, you know, today, uh, you know, you're seeing uh, – outstanding times from athletes in their late thirties and early forties. Yeah, no, I like that. I like the thought that thirties is the new forties or wait, the other way around that forties yeah, is the new thirties. <laughs> yeah. I know. I know what you're saying, but yeah, it is. I mean, at, at 40 years old, there's no reason. I mean, I coach a lady right now and she's almost 60 years old and she's running times that are just, they're crazy. I mean, she's running, uh, you know, 18 minute 5Ks. She's running, she's almost under three hours for the marathon. So, and she, actually, I think she will break four hours. I mean, uh, three hours at uh, Indy on the, uh, on November 5th. 
That's amazing. Well, Ron, thank you so much. I, I know we're running out of time here. Thank you so much. And hopefully we'll have you back on very soon to talk about yet another topic on, you know, what, what all we can learn from a running coach of your caliber. Oh, well, thanks. So well, you have a fantastic day and look forward to the next session. Thank you, Ron, for speaking with me. And I hope to have you on very soon about some more coaching advice. I really enjoy doing these podcasts with you. I think you should do like, you know, like a monthly thing with Ron or something or, but maybe if people have ideas of what they want to hear, they should tell you. Yes, definitely. Let us know. We are um, on, I guess, a lot of social media platforms. You can find us on Instagram and I guess that's it. I guess we have, uh, we're on Facebook too, right? We have a Facebook page, but go through Instagram because I actually check those messages. <laughs> <laughs> You're also very welcome to join our running community. We have a running group that we're more active in called Speed Striders. And anything else from you, Ryan? Have a happy week of running. Thanks for tuning in. For more information, head to www.runningpodcast.us. And as always, have a great week of running. <laughs>